Well, it was way back in college, the first year of college. I just graduated high school and I was living a little further south and going to school for automotive product design. Well, one of my courses was about business and in it, I learned about some of the biggest growth areas in the world right now. I gotta say, this is 22 years ago in 2001. And some of the biggest growth areas back then was Brazil, Russia, India, and China, the BRIC nations. But there was also one fifth one that we never talked about. And that one was Africa. Africa, a country with loads of potential but at that point in time, 22 years ago, it wasn't growing. Sure, there's automotive companies there, and there's a few great economies that could support the automotive infrastructure that's required, but it wasn't a continent on the growth charts. And in the automotive world, it wasn't there and wasn't looking like it was going to be the next potential. Brazil, Russia, India, and China look like the future. Well, 22 years can change a lot of things, and with it, the world has changed. Russia's economy has fallen. Brazil has seen growth and and retraction in the automotive industry. India is now becoming the next China as China has finally met the world in the industrialized revolution and become an economic powerhouse. But Africa, that is a continent which has grand potential. Today, Autolux is gonna be taking a look at Africa, not just an amazing continent, but a continent with an exponential growth rate for the automotive industry for the next century. <laughs> Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main host website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out, read some of our reviews, check out some of our ratings, and go on to the Corporate Links websites. We have automobile companies, big or small, we have them all on the autolux.net Corporate Links website page. The Autolux Podcast is brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and distributed by podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with the Autolux Podcast and its host, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. himself. Send us an email over at email at autolux.net. I am Everett J. and I'm coming to you from our main host website at autolux.net and the Autolux podcast. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Africa. So like I said at the beginning, Africa, it's a continent that not a lot of people really think about when they think about the grand evolution of the Industrialized Revolution. Sure, the Industrial Revolution had its key points in the African continent, but with both operations from the French, the Germans, the Austrians, the Dutch, and the British all colonizing its nations and areas alike, infrastructure was created, but only created on a grand scale to benefit select parties. Well, today the African continent is looking to move forward with such countries like Ethiopia, South Africa, Kenya, and even Tunisia looking towards their future and how the automobile world can benefit from this grand continent. Looking towards the next hundred years, the growth potential of the African continent is unlimited. They're not just up-and-coming countries. They have their industrialized countries. They have growth potential countries, and they have up-and-coming powers, which can become massive growth revenue. Avenues. The automobile industry isn't in its infancy in the African continent. No, automobiles have been there for decades. Hell, people have looked at them and said, hey, we want to make our own products and we want to be here. Well, Africa does have a few of its own homegrown automobile companies. Just to name a few, we're going to be taking a look at Birkin, Baco, Harper, Innocent, Kentaka, Kira, Minara, Mobius Motors, and one of the ones that I actually found out when I was in college, Piranha. Yeah, Piranha. 
from South Africa, built the, the Z1. This was a supercar, essentially built off a Mercedes platform, but was built for the African continent to showcase their premise early rise in the automobile revolution. Now, everybody knows that the African continent has a lot of political turmoil, and that's a big thing. Now, like we said, South Africa was a hay point. Now, being an original British colony, this was a country that essentially segregated itself away from the rest of the African continent. But South Africa also had a few key automotive points towards it. With backing from the British Empire, some of these car companies started showcasing what Africa could do to the automobile world. Unfortunately, a lot of these great automotive marks from the South African country showcased only to us what influence from other parts of the world can have towards the automobile industry. Harper Sports Cars was one of those amazing ones, but Harper Sports Cars was essentially just a manufacturer of racing cars for tracks with a lot of British ingenuity behind them. Birkin was another one, utilizing a Lotus 7 platform to build a brand new South African version of the Lotus 7 platform, similar to that of Caterham and Donkervoort. Well, like we said with Piranha, Piranha was one of those ones that we showcased and saw in our early days in college, but it was something new, something we had never seen before, and something we thought, hey, this is this is amazing. Yerdi Automotive had their Desert Runner. This was an automobile built for the African savanna. They have to remember, there's a lot of military prowess in the African continent and a lot of political turmoil. So military vehicles can become your entry point into the automobile world in this continent. Not to say that army vehicles and war is great for everybody, but in a sense, it is good to help build an empire on automobiles. Paramount was one of those few automobile companies who had a stance in building military vehicles to move into the automotive world. Now, they didn't really move that much further into the automotive world past what their original concepts were built for the military, but a company like Proforce from Nigeria, yes, Nigeria, building diplomat protection vehicles off their own platforms while utilizing motors from Toyota and Ford, Proforce became a force in building structurally sound vehicles. Now, military vehicles and backyard savanna is an amazing thing to help you build some amazing products for the off-road market. But the funny thing is, is, in the African continent, a lot of their automobile manufacturers that we've seen over the years don't just build pickup trucks. A lot of them get into building sedans. A lesser-known company is Innocent from Nigeria, who teams up with, with a lot of Chinese manufacturers, especially Beijing Automotive Works, to build their own vehicles, and ZX Auto as well. Well, Innocent from Nigeria, has its own product lineup and even showcases brand new products to the automotive world. As early as 2020, we could start seeing some of these innocent products in the Nigerian marketplace. But unfortunately, like I said, these products are already pre-built offshore. They're Chinese products. They're essentially rebranded Beijing Automotive Works. So BAIC or BAW products sold for the Nigerian marketplace. Sure, they get their own name, but this is very similar to what you'd find from something like Saipa, who uses products from like Peugeot to build their products for the Iranian marketplace. Now Africa with its mass population and a population that's going to grow by nearly a billion people by the year 2100 is showcasing to us there's a mass growth potential on this continent for automobiles and on top of that public transportation. Now being that the African continent is one of the most connected nations even for a poverty driven area there are still tons of people that have cell phones there. Their cell phones 
own use 20 years ago was in the same context of the amount you would find in New York City in the 90s. Whereas in today, the African continent has nearly three times as many cell phones as the United States find. So there are a lot of connected people. But their infrastructure isn't up to the same standards as everywhere else you find in the world. See, where China was able to benefit from its Communist Party being able to do whatever they want, not to say it's a good thing, but to push their nation forward, they were able to essentially drive the iron fist down and say, we are building this infrastructure. We don't care who's in our way. Africa has the ability to do that and ability to expand upon that for the future. And with a massive growth potential and one of the youngest populations worldwide for any major countries within the African continent, the growth potential in this industry is huge. So now we're looking at the automobile industry and autonomous technology and electric and hydrogen vehicles for the future. But Africa is still set in its ways from the past because of political turmoil and they are rising nations. They don't have to abide by the same rules as European or North American countries have to abide by. They can get away with polluting the world. They're growth countries and growth countries have different standards compared to the rest of the world. So what does this mean for the automobile industry? It means as the electric vehicle industry grows elsewhere in the world, the original internal combustion engine vehicles we now own are going to be moving into areas like this. My home country of Canada has seen a massive increase in automobile thefts and a lot of these automobile thefts, if they don't manage to track down their vehicles before they leave our shores, head on over to either Middle Eastern or African marketplaces where there is a massive black market for these vehicles. But this is fueled by a strong demand and not having free trade agreements or an infrastructure system or even an infrastructure set up to sell vehicles. Dealerships are scarce. Repair shops are there, but not as big as you'd find in North America. If you look at the African continent, besides South Africa, Egypt, areas of Ethiopia, and Nigeria, the rest of the African continent doesn't follow the exact same infrastructure standards that we find everywhere else in the world. If you've ever taken a trip as myself into the country of Cuba, there would be a similar standard. They could build these massive infrastructure, this massive superhighways, and everything else, but they don't have the financial backing for it. And with political turmoil and changes of government consistent in a lot of the smaller nations in the African continent, this can plague the expansive infrastructure where an infrastructure project can be put in place by one government this year, have a time frame to take six years to build, and by the time it's getting near completion, a new government comes into play and pulls the financing from it. This makes it hard to expand upon the infrastructure that is required to move them into the future. But where does that play a pivotal role towards the automotive sustainability of the African continent. Well, if you've ever heard of a little company from Kenya called Mobius Motors, you would understand what I'm talking about. Mobius Motors, way back in 2014, we originally rated their vehicle, the Mobius Motors 2. It was the secondary vehicle that they built off their platform, but the first production vehicle. It was a simple, crude vehicle. And if you go to our website and check up Mobius Motors and check up designs from the original Mobius Motors 2, you'll see that this product was a simple cube to transport people across the African savanna. It was built to be easily repaired and make people mobile. Driving a Toyota Corolla on some of the back roads in the African continent is not a good idea, but driving a Jeep is. But not everybody can afford a Jeep. Some of these people can more afford to buy something like a Kia Rio or a Toyota Corolla. They can afford to buy the four-wheel drive Nissan Petrol or Toyota 4Runner. Mobius Motors saw this and said, we want to get our nation and our continent on wheels. We want to get them what everyone else has had for the past hundred years. 
We want to make our people mobile. We want to get them from here to there. We're tired of seeing everybody walking and a lot of these issues that arise with mobile people by foot. Sure, we can move into the infrastructure similar to that of India and a lot of Eastern Asian countries that have moved highly into motorcycles. Well, yeah, motorcycles are a big thing in Africa as well. But again, this disparity between what people earn at the top and what people earn at the bottom is so significant that this continent has such an issue. What we need is products like the Mobius Motors 2. The original Mobius Motors 2 was built to transport a multitude of people in one simple design. One person can own it and essentially Uber fares all over the place. This is what we need to make Africa an infrastructure dependent continent. Our infrastructure is currently existent of dirt roads. Well, let's give the people a cheap, easy vehicle. And from there, Mobius Motors learned what Henry Ford had taught before. Toyota had brought to the world and Hyundai Kia had pushed through. Start with economy and move to quality. They needed to do this to get their products out there. And with the investments in the sales from the original two, they were able to rebuild the vehicle in 2020 to be a more personal mobility unit for the rising middle class of the African continent. Sure, this is a product only for the Kenyan marketplace. And without a mass expanse of railroad networks or even highway services all across the African continent, getting these vehicles out to tons of people is even harder to do. And that is one of the biggest issues the African continent has. By putting in place proper infrastructure, i.e. rail service or highway service to connect each and every small country on the African continent, Africa could increase the automobile industry. The automobile industry already exists exist on the African continent, not to the scale that you've seen everywhere else in the world, where China gave tons of money to state-approved companies to build automobiles to keep other countries at bay. Africa doesn't have that. But the reason why you don't find big manufacturing plants from the biggest players in the world like Volkswagen, Toyota, or General Motors is the fact that if you build it in one country, you have to fly it essentially to nearly every other country because there is no major connections. Africa needs a massive infrastructure creation. Similar to how the U.S. built the interstate system between the 1940s and 1970s, Africa needs to do this either with highways or with railways. And considering the fact they already have dirt roads expanding into mobile transports that are able to traverse back roads and bring vehicles from place to place is a key point for the automobile industry to survive in the African continent. Everybody's looking at Africa the wrong way. Everybody's looking at it like India and China. Well, I already have massive amounts of infrastructure. They have tons and tons of roads. They have tons and tons of technical connections. They have railways. They have highways. They have seaways. They have airports. Africa is not a continent with every single one of those pieces to the main infrastructure puzzle. And without each one of those pieces, their industry can't survive. Mobius Motors, along with Kira, Wally's car, and innocent, hell, even Kantanka from Ghana, who builds cars the same way, uh, using Chinese-built vehicles to be sold into the African nation. But products like this, the reason why the Chinese are so accepting to the African nation is when they built their automobile industry in their nation, they didn't have the infrastructure there. So they understood about having breakdown vehicles, essentially built from parts and shipped into one central assembly location. These products can then be shipped out upon 
completion, hell, even just driven to sites. The Chinese understood this, and they understood how to bring vehicles to back areas of the world. It's one of the reasons why they understand the African continent. India, if they were smart, Tata and Mahindra would have a good stance on it. Knowing that a lack of major infrastructure can impede sales, they would also know how to handle the situations that are there. And without a massive expansion of infrastructure, Africa will be at a standstill. But with countries like Nigeria, Ethiopia, Morocco, Kenya, Egypt, South Africa, hell, even the Congo in certain locations, are all starting to invest in infrastructure and starting to see that they need to expand upon these services. Nigeria is going to see its population nearly double in the next 50 years, surpassing the population in the United States. And with that, they're going to need a massive investment into infrastructure. And seeing autonomous vehicles, pod traveling as a future, and the fact that most of their country is already connected with cell phone service and Wi-Fi enabled services, the African continent is already set up for the autonomous wave of the future. The only thing the autonomous wave needs from Africa is products to handle the continent. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that autonomous developers aren't looking at right now. Most of autonomous developers are developing vehicles for inner city areas similar to that of San Francisco, London, or even Tokyo. They're not looking at places like Laos, Nigeria, Cape Town, South Africa, or even Nairobi, Kenya. These are places they're not even considering. And without that, and being able to traverse their cities, they're going to have trouble expanding into those nations. Like I said, the infrastructure is a major issue and a major hurdle that the automobile industry has to get over to enter into the African continent. But the funny thing is, is we have jumped over those hurdles already everywhere else in the world. And the only country in the world right now that would understand how to jump over that fence a lot easier would be both China and India because they have just jumped over them within the past 30 years, expanding their infrastructure and knowing how to get products into the backwoods areas that are not connected. North American European companies don't understand this because they have had the proper infrastructure already set in place over the past hundred years. They've had their parts, they've had their plants, they've had their manufacturing sites, and they've even had the roadways, the railways, and the airways all existent that they needed to move everything around. Africa is a completely different area that you have to take a completely different look at to develop the automobile industry. But once you figure out how to do it, then you'll understand how you can make it work. A lot of companies are starting to look at Africa and saying, we could set up a plant in South Africa, but then we can need one in South Africa, we'll need one in Kenya, we'll need one in Nigeria, and possibly one in Sudan. So we can actually hit all of the major markets within that area. But then how do we get our products out to every other one of the countries on that continent? Well, that's the thing. Knockdown kits is something that these manufacturing plants are going to have to look at. Henry Ford became as big with the Ford Motor Company because he built plants all over the world. Didn't necessarily mean he built every single part for those vehicles in those plants all over the world, but he built plants all over the world. I get it. It's, it's really expensive building brand new manufacturing facilities. And without free trade agreements from any of the African nations, building plants there is only towards those areas. But picking a major nation within the continent of Africa to get started from there, you can learn how you can move your products to the others. Nigeria is one of the top ones you can think of. Ethiopia and Kenya are a little close to the Middle East. And the Middle East is trying to build their own automobile industry right now. So it'll be a little too much competition. Nigeria is on the other 
other side of the continent. And South Africa is at the bottom. South Africa already has people in place and manufacturing know-how on how to build production vehicles. So building a plant there would be good. Unfortunately, some of the smaller countries around it don't have the infrastructure required to move those vehicles easily. But a lot of them have ports. But unfortunately, the oceans outside of the African continent are still one of the few places in the world that you can find pirates. I'm not making this shit up. Go online and look for African pirates. Trust me, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how correct I am about this. By building railways and roadways and inland, you'd have to fight with these issues as well, with road pirates. But you have to remember, 30 years ago, we dealt with this in Mexico, building automobile plants in Mexico and having to deal with the cartel. But as Mexico grew, it expanded its infrastructure. It expanded its police force and allowed these manufacturing plants to operate properly. All it takes is one to start the process. And as of right now, knowing that the population of the continent of Africa is going to grow by over a billion people, one billion. So like the population of China within the next hundred years, getting started now is what a lot of these automobile companies need. And starting it in places like Lagos and Cape Town in either South Africa or Nigeria, they can get a foothold into the autonomous technology that's required to be mobile in nations like this. Building an autonomous system that needs to understand and think like a human, to understand that when the road doesn't exist on a map, but it's still in front of you, it's there. Africa is one of the top places in the world that investment money should be pouring into right now. Because if you can crack the African code for the automobile industry, you can make it anywhere you want. Unfortunately, the Chinese automobile industry is the only one who has realized this. And seeing car companies like Wally's Car and Mobius Motors rise from the ashes of the fallen, Africa really wants cars. And they really want to move into a mobile future. So let's help them out. Let's build some plants. Let's build some parts. And let's use what they have pre-existing to build the infrastructure required for tomorrow. There are so many unknowns in Africa. It just makes it so that doing these proper case studies will create so many more knowns everywhere else in the world. Africa is the continent for the automobile industry. It may seem like India is the next front runner for the new expanse in the automobile industry, but it's just the expanse for sales, not for the future. The African continent is looking towards being the future of the automotive world. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it on one of the social feeds that you found us on. Click the like button at the bottom. Not joking. Click the like button at the bottom. And you can hear more podcasts from the Autologues. We release one every single week with over 180 episodes over the past five seasons. The Autologues podcast is continuously growing and continuously bringing you new ideas into where the automotive world is going. All from our host, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J., the mind behind the Autologues Autolux.net website and the Autolux podcast. So after you hit the like button, please share this with any of your friends and tell them about it. Ask them what they think about the automobile industry not entering the African marketplace and why they should be going after it. Why? There's so much more potential there than anywhere else in the world. Ask them and then get them to listen to the episode. Maybe they'll get inspired to start something new. Similar to how the British have created Ox Products, a knockdown all-wheel drive product to the African continent. It's cheap, it's easy to maintain, and it's built for everywhere. Sound familiar? Well, Henry Ford had that vision with the original Model T.
And after you shared it, stop by the website, read some of our reviews, check out some of the Corporate Links websites, and give us a comment over on the site or on any of the social feeds that you find us on. All from the Autolux Podcast. The Autolux Podcast has been brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and distributed by Podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with either the Autolux Podcast, the Autolux.net team, or Everett James himself, send an email over to email at Autolux.net. So for myself, Everett J, my Autolux.net website, and the Autolux Podcast, strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride that the African continent is going to take us on.